Totally Football League show, Bumper Manager Chat Edition. Today we're talking franking sense with Brentford boss Thomas and we ask Exeter gaffer Matt if the Grecians are tailor-made for promotion. We'll also lament Derby's Dunderheads and Wally's Downer, talk through Tuesday night's championship action and praise Johnson Clark Harris. His name might make it sound like he should be advising the Prime Minister on backstops slash how to skirt around alleged historical sexual harassment issues, but he's got his foot on the gas in League One. All that and a little bit more. Strap yourself in, it's going to be a wild ride. Yes, a very warm welcome once more to our haven of all things Football League. EFL, they'd rather us call it. That's fine, we can do that. Everyone loves an acronym after all, FFS. The moth-eared amongst you will have noticed I'm not Caroline, I'm Matt. Matt Davis-Adams. I should just explain, according to hiddenhearing.co.uk, moths have the best hearing of any animals, hence my use of the phrase moth-eared. I'm babbling. Luckily, I've got a panel who can curtail my own nonsense and replace it with their own sense. First up, currently on the injured list, meaning the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are shorter linebacker. The Canadian Football League's lost very much our game. Good morning, Adrian Clark. Did you have a nice birthday? I did, thank you. Yeah, very pleasant. Good. Uh, You'll be pleased to know that I'm rapidly running out of other sort of famous people called Adrian Clark. <laughs> uh, alongside Adrian, a man who, and I quote, is deeply critical of capitalism, its colonial past and neo-colonial present, and the vomit-inducing neoliberal incarnation we're living with today. Ah, oh, flipping heck, I've done it again. You're not the Sam Parkin from anti-capitalist dance music group Hyperstition Duo, are you? <laughs> uh, there's no point in me even asking how things are working out with your new label, Polyphonic Assemblage, is there? No, definitely not. All right. Uh, Belinda Carlisle for me. Yeah, well, come to think of it, I should have twigged uh, that the interview I was reading was with another bloke called Sam Parkin when I saw this quote. One of these changes is my integration of a Nord Drum 2 synthesizer through which I'm now sending sub-frequencies, delays and dense harmonic modulation cascading off the skins of my drums when I play. Um, you're more well-versed in, in Swindon and stuff, right? Absolutely. Uh, here's what Sam's band sounds like. Dreadful racket. That's awful. I mean, you could play better than that, Sam. <laughs> That's what, what is it? Is it drum, it's a bit drum and bassy? Yeah, I like a bit of drum and bass. Easiest dance moves ever. Just run on the spot. Yeah, yeah. It's Mastered not, it. Not, not for me. Um, on to the important stuff. Have you ever seen a, a weekend with more knee slide celebrations than we got this time? And, and what's the key to a good knee slide? Because we've seen them go pretty badly wrong. I've just been chatting to producer Abby about this. I wasn't one for a knee slide. But you have to be sure there's been a deluge before the game uh, back in the day I don't know was it maybe it was more straightforward back in the day when the pitches weren't as good or maybe that's not relevant at all but I, got, I did one against Hull City at home and it was magnificent but the ones that go wrong I'm just it happens too often doesn't it go wrong you need to judge the conditions better lads it's dangerous too. We did a feature with uh, Edin Hazard last season where he told us why he was retiring the knee slide and he pulled his socks down and bless him, his shins were all, all cut and scuffed and grazed. <laughs> it's, it's not the reason you want to be missing the game. No, no, it was not for me. I was more of a standstill and just, just raise the finger kind of guy. Shearer, classic Shearer. Yeah, but I wouldn't even run. I was a, I was a Shearer runner. Yeah, <laughs> I was off. But just The, the better the goal. Yeah the more I played down my celebrations. That's how you got got to roll, I yeah. think. Do the old Cantonar. Yeah. Collar well, up, just look around it's old traffic. normal. Oh, lovely stuff. Now then, chaps, good news. Not too late for either of you to return to the football and practice your celebrations. Did you hear the one about Simon Royce, 48-year-old goalkeeping coach named on Gillingham's bench at the weekend after Joe Walsh was injured? Uh, would or could either of you do it? Clark, I'm offering you a spot amongst the uh, amongst the South End subs on Mate, Saturday. absolutely not. No, my fitness levels are just appalling. I played with Roycey, by the way. He was an outstanding keeper back in his heyday. But his heyday, I'd imagine, about 97, 98. So you're going back uh, 20 years or so. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a good lad and a very good singer, if memory serves me right. He was always the first up on the karaoke. Well, Sam, let me... Um paint a picture for you it's 1-1 Swindon versus Oxford at the county ground 85th minute so you've only got to do what five plus four add-ons we need somebody up front to go and head in the winner are you doing it would I want to or am I physically capable both now I mean are you backing yourself to say yes I can, I can come on for nine minutes and affect this game in I would say I'm in better shape now than when I was playing so yeah I think physically <laughs> I'd be able to do it and would I want to of course I would I wouldn't want to go and go for Gillingham the amount of shots they're facing at the moment <laughs> you're scarier looking than you were as a player aren't you with, well, the, with, the, with the obviously the, the hair issue Adrian I always used to say well it wasn't until I shaved my head that I started getting booked Oh, really? Yeah, and I was never that type of player. But as soon as I lost mm. my hair, 
and looked hard. Yeah, the Phil Mitchell look. Referees start booking you just because you know the way I looked. Interesting. 100%. Anyway, so about a minute or so ago in that, there was a come and get me plea. So Richie Willens, Willens if you're listening, uh, at the Totally Show is the way to get I wouldn't in get in, in front of the two that are playing up there for them <laughs> at the moment. There'd have to be a serious injury crisis. All right, increasingly laboured introductions out of the way. Let's talk football. Championship football. You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. To the championship then where your headlines are as follows. Tuesday night saw Leeds return to the summit after edging past West Brom, who are second. Huddersfield won for the first time since February to plunge Stoke deeper into the brown stuff. And Fulham put four past hapless Reading at the Madstad. Elsewhere, off the pitch, Derby's troublesome trio face up to the consequences of their night out gone awry. Cardiff are challenging FIFA's ruling, which ordered the Bluebirds to pay non £5.3 million as the first instalment of the transfer fee for the late Emiliano Sala. And the FA are investigating an allegation of racial discrimination following an incident between Leeds keeper Kiko Casilla and Charlton's Jonathan Lecco this past weekend. Uh, about last night then, Leeds won, West Brom nothing. Alioski's goal seven minutes before the break, enough to see Bielsa's boys over the line. Oscar O'Reilly asks, will we look back on Leeds' win last night at the end of the season and see it as a significant moment for the team? Certainly feels like three big points given that they hadn't won in two and they hadn't won at home, Sam, since August. And, and we spoke in recent weeks about that potentially becoming a bit of an issue for them. Well, it's a good question and... Uh... Yeah, we could very much be looking back at this night. I think there was a period in that second half. Well, there was more than a period. West Brom absolutely dominated that second half. But considering Leeds hadn't got the cushion of the second goal, which has happened so often in the last few weeks, it makes it an even greater victory. Uh, I think, yes, they're a rival. And on that evidence last night, West Brom are going to be there. Arguably, I'd put them above Leeds, maybe, considering how they played. But for Leeds to get that win, psychologically huge the fans, the players, everyone together. And it was almost the performance that Charlton had against Leeds at the weekend. The same doggedness was evident uh, with the home side last night and a brilliant centre-forwards performance. Patrick Bamford, outstanding. Uh, meanwhile, in the potteries, Adrian goes from bad to really bad to even worse to, oh my goodness, golly gosh, please make it stop for Nathan Jones as they lose again to actual Huddersfield. First of all, let's focus on the winners. How will the Cowley boys and their players be feeling today? Oh, cock-a-hoot, won't they? Yeah, it's, it's the monkey off the back. It's a, it's a clean sheet away from home. They're beginning to get their methods across, aren't they, to the players. It was a, it was a really... Good goal from their point of view that won it. Janino Bakuna on the counter-attack. I love to see that midfield run as passable and then have the ambition to, to, to stretch the opposition and get themselves into the box to score. What I will say is that I think it was Atibo. It was shocking. Absolutely shocking. He let Bakuna... He basically watched him pass the ball around him and then he couldn't be bothered to track him. And I think that is symptomatic of the problems Nathan Jones has had with the Stoke City players at the moment. But but yeah, Huddersfield, they'll start to believe now, won't they? Going away from home to a big club like Stoke, winning with a clean sheet, might just be the springboard for them. Lots of work to do, but um, cracking result. As for Stoke, eight defeats, no win in 10 championship games uh, this season. Poor old Nathan sounded broken last night, apologising to everyone from his staff to his wife. Uh, we got the Stoke Twitter page up and ready should anything happen in the next hour. Bless him. Elsewhere, though, Reading won Fulham for a thumping win for Fulham at the Medeski Stadium, helped by the fact the home side had John Swift sent off after 20 minutes. After three straight one-alls, Fulham have won back-to-back games now. and They're looking by far the most likely, Sam, of the three relegated teams to, to bounce straight back or to even have a half-decent season, the way things are going. Yeah, I mean, the last two victories will be confidence boosters and I suppose get the supporters fully behind them because yes they dominate the possession and they dictate games but they haven't had that clinical edge so to get two comprehensive victories last time uh, last couple of times out will put them in a really good place we've seen John Swift play I certainly have probably 50 times live I don't think I've ever seen him tackle and arguably there were two red cards last night what team do you not want to go down to 10 against in this league Fulham so that was a horrible experience I would imagine for those Reading players John Swift would have I would presume had to apologise to the players because they got a chase in Kearney with 
a complete replica of his goal against Wigan on last Friday night. It's the same goal. Incredible. And for Fulham, I said it last time I saw them live, you just have to have a little bit more legs in behind Mitrovic. Knockart, Cavaliero, Bobby Reid it was last night. They don't need to come to feet. Mitrovic can do that. They need to run in behind and stretch the game. And I'm sure that's probably why Bobby Reid got himself a start last night. All of a sudden, Clarkie, we were feeling optimistic about Adrian. About Adrian. We were feeling optimistic about Reading first couple of weeks mm. of the season. But they haven't won since the 24th of August against Huddersfield. They're on the slide big time. They really are. Yeah, it surprises me in a way. I mean, they've had some, some OK results at the weekend. They, they drew at Swansea, didn't they? So, so I don't think they're a, a team in complete disarray. But yeah, they're losing narrowly. They're not scoring enough goals. That Puskas obviously came with a big fanfare and and, and shone initially and done next to nothing since. When I saw them in the flesh at West Brom, they were impressive and they had a back three of um, Morrison Moore and Miazga. And they were superb, absolutely outstanding. I noticed last night Miazga was on the bench. It's a back four. So they've moved away from that quite quickly. Um, And that happens, I guess, when you're not winning games. But... I think maybe Gomez needs to needs to just give a little bit more time to one particular pattern of play to, to blossom. Elsewhere, shout-outs to Tom Eaves, whose first whole goal saw them pass Chef Wed, uh, to Preston, who are unbeaten in six, and to Joe Lolly, because there ain't nobody like Joe Lolly. Makes me happy. Makes me feel this way. Now, it was just after we'd finished recording last week when the news of the Derby Dunces broke. Such a big story, though, that we ought to discuss it briefly now. Here's what we know. Tom Lawrence and Mason Bennett have been charged with drink driving. The pair were arrested after a car crash in the Alice Tree area of Derby on Tuesday night of last week. Club captain Richard Keogh was in the back of Lawrence's car and sustained serious damage to both his knees. The latest is he'll be out for 15 months. Specific. What happens next? In a statement, Derby said the players know they'll pay a heavy price for their actions, but also added they'd be supported with their rehabilitation back into the squad and the team. Sam, why not just sack them? I mean, the obvious answer is because they're assets of value to the business, but is is it really worth the hassle of keeping them? You you can't get good PR out of something like this, but it would be a big statement if Derby said, I'm sorry, you've brought the club into disrepute, you've disgraced yourselves, pack your bags. It would be, and... I think the severity of the the incident would maybe disappoint neutral supporters and neutral fans of the 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 game if they weren't heavy sanctions uh, for these three. Of course, you just spoke about the age of Bennett and Lawrence, which is different from Keo. I mean, I was surprised that Keo still has eighteen months to run on his contract. I thought maybe it was just to the tail end of, of this season, but the severity of his injuries suggest that could be the end of his career. They're very fortunate that this hasn't proven to be a fatal accident. It's just pure stupidity. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the club do. We'll have to wait and see what the outcome of the court case is first for these two players. You know, you can't get behind the wheel of a car um, if you've been in the pub for 10 10 minutes, let alone the whole day. So they deserve everything that's going to come to them and it's going to have a huge impact on Philip Koku's maiden season at Derby, which was going to be a year of consolidation and it's been made incredibly more difficult by their actions. It's one of those, Clark, isn't it? It, it? I mean, it really feels to me like it's one of the worst things that a person can do is drink and drive and, mm. and obviously there'll be legal ramifications that they'll have to, to face. But I'm interested to know if you're a member of that Derby squad and you know there might be some of those members who've been affected by drink driving and things that have happened because of that in the past how how are you dealing with those three yeah quite possibly yeah it, i wish i was a fly on the wall in, in a lot of respects if it'd be interesting to see how the dynamic changes in inside that dressing room all i say is that it is disgraceful what's happened there and they're in big trouble as it is, and rightly so. And if they do get sacked, they can have no complaints. I don't think they will. And even if they did, there there will be someone else out there that takes them on. That's just the nature of the industry. Their careers are not over. And and I'm I'm all for being given a second chance, to be honest. This is this is one massive mistake, a very serious mistake, and they're incredibly lucky that that nobody innocent was was seriously hurt here member of the public but um no I think they I think they just need to to be punished severely and be given quite a slow rehabilitation to to the side I don't think they should be brought immediately back in that is for sure they should stay on the naughty step for for a good while longer 
Yeah, we shall see what happens. Uh, some fixtures in the Championship this weekend, of which it's worth keeping an eye on. Birmingham Borough, the first one which we are going to look at. The Gary Monk derby, without Gary Monk in it. Sam, you've been looking at Birmingham for us. Straightforward question for you. What what are Birmingham? Uh, win at Charlton, lose at Derby, lose at Wigan last night. I, they're the one team in the Championship that I've got no clue about. You know, They could finish bottom or they could finish in the playoffs. It's a very good question, Matt. I think Birmingham are a team that are trying to play a little bit more football. And I think that's been shown certainly in the last couple of fixtures, most definitely at Derby where they dictated the ball, had all the possession and were caught by three Derby sucker punches. So I think it is a team that is in transition in terms of the way they play, but there is big pressure on Pep Clotet to be successful this season. And there's already some kind of rumours that uh, the owners wanted promotion this year. That's not going to happen. But, you know, the, the football may improve over time. I think this weekend, the, the most interesting thing I'm looking forward to seeing is Middlesbrough struggled horrendously against Sheffield Wednesday with crosses. Uh, and they scored headed goals, which is unfathomable. Uh, is that a word? Thinking of Middlesbrough conceding in that manner. Well, they got the biggest test of all with Jukovic in the Birmingham side. Obviously better last night uh, against Preston, Middlesbrough defensively. But those guys, the centre-halves, whether it's two or whether it's three, they're going to have to be on their metal against yeah. the big Duke. Yeah, following on from that excellent observation uh, is that Middlesbrough haven't just struggled from, from crosses and open play, they've struggled from set pieces. Um, they've conceded four goals for, from corners alone, another from a wide free kick. And when you think about Birmingham, even under this new manager, the, one of their key strengths is still aiming for the big big man up top, Jukovic, who, who can cause big problems. Some interesting stats around Borough. The, probably the best is they've conceded the most first-half goals this season, 10 in the Championship, which is the worst by, by some way. So they're, they're very slow starters. They're supposed to be playing pretty football, aren't they, under Woodgate? And at Luton on the opening day, I thought that they, they really did look a very different outfit, really vibrant. It's gradually got more scrappy from, from the outside looking in. I haven't seen 90 minutes every week from them, but it doesn't feel as if it's especially free-flowing. I think they've got a chance in this game. Randolph is... They've got two outstanding players for me, Randolph and Paddy McNair, who's having a stormer of a season. It'll be interesting, I think, to see whether whether he goes with the front two or not. don't think he will. I had the feeling Fletcher and Asombolonga might be a partnership at the start of the campaign, but at the moment it's 4-3-3 with Asombolonga. So, so that'd be interesting. Tavernier was the star turn uh, last night. Very exciting player. Looks like he's tailor-made, doesn't he, for, for a Woodgate team. Quick, creative, sharp in everything that he does. All he needs is end product and... Uh, I think he'll get another chance at St Andrews and it'll be interesting to see if he can continue his form. Our other pick of the weekend's games, this will shock you, is Forrest against Brentford. Uh, who better to talk about Brentford's start to the season than Thomas Frank? Good news. He's on the other side of this thing. Thomas, thanks for talking to us ahead of a, a big game this Wednesday night. We're almost a quarter of the way through the season now. How do you assess your team's start to the campaign? I would say that in terms of performances, I think actually we put some decent performances in so far. We haven't got uh, the, the results we wanted so far. But I think if if, if you guys follow us um, pretty close, there's been some some games where we definitely should have gotten, got three points, especially the first game against Birmingham in the season where we're winning 1-0. I think the shot statistic is 15-1 to and playing away way to Charlton was 21-3 to and also created the big chances. So, so in terms of that, it's been decent. Uh, I think we've been much better defensively. I think we have been improving our defensive side of the game very much. So now we are quite solid. So the thing we are lacking is actually going forward, but hopefully we we turn that around with a good performance away to Barnes, where we create a lot of chances. Uh, and you also saw some of the potential against Derby. So so hopefully we are, we are on track, but we know every game is so difficult in this league. So, um, But we like to continue tonight against Bristol. Thomas, uh, the, the two games I've seen you this season was at Charlton and on Sunday at, at Barnsley, and you arguably could have scored five or six in, in both games. I was wondering, as you were walking down the tunnel on Sunday, what your points would be to the player players, and uh, was there still a criticism that you weren't clinical enough in the, in the final third, considering the chances you made? I was mainly positive, because I think, you know, we were playing away, and no matter if we were playing, as you know, OK, the, the, the league will 
get more and more set and we're playing against um, the promoted teams from from league one but we all know that playing away in the championship is difficult so so playing away and, and getting one nil down and then turn around and, and winning a clear three one win uh, potentially could score more goals so more praise them for the for the character and the reaction to the game and, and, and create a lot of chances and then in the end we had a bit but <laughs> of course we need to score more goals when we can Oh, it was a great performance. Really, really impressive. Um, one other thing I've noticed about, about your side this season is the continuity, Thomas. Nine players have made seven or more starts in the championship. Now, is that a reflection that you're really happy with what you're seeing from the boys? Or is it just the fact that you, you have a small squad and, and there is no, not a lot of choice for you uh, in terms of freshening things up? No, I think actually I had a, a pretty pretty good and strong squad, but... There was there was um, a quite big turnover this summer uh, in terms of players out and in. I think we lost for various reasons close to ten players, and we got more or less also close to ten players in. So I actually tried to build that continuity and and build a, a bit of momentum and the relations. And I think that's part of why we also haven't you know just hit top performances and especially in the way we play. It's important that we try to create those relations and then. And, and get it clicking, especially going forward. Defensively, very solid. But going forward, I tried to search for that team that could get us uh, playing the way we wanted to play. And then, then I believe in you need to play some some players, some some games together. But of course, you know, it's football. They need to perform uh, as well. In terms of your squad, Thomas, uh, Ollie Watkins obviously been been the standout. You must be thrilled with how he's stepped up since since Neil Mopay left, particularly his goals on Sunday. Three Three real strikers' goals. Yeah, uh, massively. I can only I can't praise Oli enough uh, for his uh, dedication and, and and humility and just you know willingness to to work hard and learn every single day. Um, he went into a new role, but of course he needs to learn some some new positions and a little bit more. How should he move in the box? And we've been working very hard with him on that um, perspective, and he definitely just embraced it and. He could have scored more goals even on on um, on, on Sunday. So so we are very pleased and happy with him. But I would um, prefer and um, hope that some of the other players are are chipping in and, and hopefully scoring some goals as well, or else he will score a lot of goals. <laughs> and finally, Thomas, you're a year into your time as Brentford head coach now. How have you find it, and what is it that makes this division such a unique challenge for coaches? Yeah, I think I'm loving in. It every single day, um, it's a a top club. Uh, I think we are not the biggest, but I think we we stand out with our our strategy and continuity in in terms of especially staff and um, and then the, and the guys behind it. You know Matthew Benham and the two sports directors Phil and, and Ras. So so it's a it's a pleasure to walk in every single day to the training ground and, and train. There's a lot of hungry players, a lot of hungry staff members. So we hope we can still improve every single day. It's good. We love it. Brentford boss Thomas Frank there. A quick word on the two-time European champions. Third in the league, one defeat, five wins, a draw against Blackburn on Tuesday night. What a time to be alive. Are we going to be talking about uh, Forest as a Premier League team next season? Don't think so. What? Why? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, well, you've only got one striker. And I think that, I, I genuinely think that is the most obvious Achilles heel of any team in the division at the moment. Graben's great, but who who else is there? Rafa Mur has come in. Lewis Graban, according to Ian oh. Dowie last night, oh. which I enjoyed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what to go with now. You confuse me. But the... Um, if if he gets injured, they're in big trouble because, as we saw in that in that game at Arsenal in the Carabao Cup, it's not really going to work with an Adoma or an or an Amiobi up front. I don't think anyway. So so a lot will hinge on him. I do like a lot of the work that Lamouche has done. Though he's made them hard to beat, really solid. The central midfield is one of the most solid in the division. So it's going to give the team a platform, isn't it? To, for the forward players of which we we talked, Graben, Lolly, you know, uh, Thiago Silva, etc., Carvalho, Amiobi, they don't have to worry so much about defending at the moment because they got Ben Watson and Sam Bissau, who are just beasts in the middle of the park. So there's loads to like about Forest, but they need another striker. Yeah, definitely. Um, a Forest fan of my acquaintance on Twitter pointed out last week, Uncle Albert is what we call Albert Adoma. <laughs> Uncle Albert at the Emirates. Uh, <laughs> Uncle Albert hasn't looked that lost since the Jolly Boys outing. <laughs> um, and there's a bit of truth to that. I saw Lamucci at Barnsley 
On, Stylish man, isn't he? On Saturday, and um, the gantry was just in front of the director's box, and I just looked back, and he was kind of in the first row behind the director's box, and we locked eyes, and I thought, <laughs> that's a classy-looking man. You know, good clobber. He wasn't... I don't think he recognised me from my very average performances at the city ground in the mid-noughties, <laughs> but I was just thinking, I, I just like him. I like everything about him. Roll neck, not for me, but he seems to be carrying it off. I'd, I'd accept a freebie off my brother. You know, my brother sends me some clothes for the, the brand he works for, but I wouldn't be perusing the shelves for one myself. But he can carry one off. I, I like the cut How of How long did you lock eyes for and who looked away first? It was only brief. Maybe the, the natives of Barnsley weren't recognising the uh, two-times European <laughs> champion's current manager, but I certainly was. <laughs> Sabri Lamushi, J'adore. Let's get some odds on the games we've been talking about then. Abby, Birmingham versus Middlesbrough. First up, who's favourite to win at St Andrews? That's your Friday night football for this weekend. Birmingham, if you want to back the home side, they're 27 to 20. And Borough are 11 to 5, which is also what the odds are for a draw. OK, and how about the two-time European champions at Fortress City Ground against the Bees? Uh, the two two ECs, uh, <laughs> as we like to call them now, uh, they are 9 to 5, whereas Brentford are 31 to 20. Uh, how about promotion? How's that looking after Tuesday night's action? Obviously recording before Wednesday's games, but I'm guessing Leeds are still very much favourites. Leeds are more than favourites. They are odds on for promotion. They are two to five. West Brom, they're the second favourites, 11 to 10. Fulham rounding off uh, at five to four. And for your beloved Nottingham Forest, I'll give you four to one. Okay, I will consider taking it and then decide to keep my money based on 20 years worth of experience. Wise. Okay, Championship, thanks for that. See you next week. League One next. You know the Totally podcasts. You've got this one, the Totally Football League show. You've got the Totally Football show. You've got the Totally Scottish Football show. But do you know about the TotallyFootballShow.com? Our website is the home for the best of the shows, plus some high-class original written features. This week, our editor Nick Miller wrote about how the newly promoted sides in the Premier League are standing up to the big boys. Our European experts wonder if we're seeing the start of Alexis Sanchez's renaissance away from Manchester United, while Rafa Honigstein discusses the no-strings-attached romance between Bayern Munich and Philip Coutinho. Ooh, all that and more, more, more on thetotallyfootballshow.com. This is the Totally Football League Show with Matt Davis-Adams. League One then, where the headlines include Henrik Larsson is the South End manager, slash Henrik Larsson is no longer in contention to be the South End manager, slash Henrik Larsson might still be the South End manager. Uh, delete as applicable, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. Peterborough win the Random Act of Kindness Award for giving out free tickets to former Thomas Cook employees for their match with Wimbledon, which Posh went on to win 3-2. Well done, Dara. And you can bet on downs to act the wally. That's where we're going to start. As is customary, just after last week's show dropped, it was revealed that Wimbledon had suspended boss Wally Downs following a breach of FA betting rules. The charge relates to eight bets placed between 2013 and July of this year. He came in in a blaze of controversy. You might remember he and Wimbledon issued an apology for homophobic tweets Downs had posted before he took the Don's job. This betting thing, Adrian, is it a genuine concern to the club or are they just thinking, hey, perfect excuse to sack a manager hasn't won a game yet? Well, yeah, it's, it's an impossible question for me to, to answer. Any of us, really. You do wonder if, if Wimbledon were pushing for the playoffs and, and he was, you know, manager of the month, whether he would have been suspended or whether they'd have stuck by their man until the process had, had been completed. All I can say on it is that if he is guilty of, of placing bets on football, earlier this year, while he was the manager of, of AFC Wimbledon, he is a Wally, isn't he? Because you, 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 it's the most simple rule in football. You're not allowed to have a bet on the sport that you're a professional in. So so what, whatever comes to him, he, he probably deserves it, it, it. It's a shame because he's done a lot of good work there and he's, he's won a lot of friends, I think, at AFC Wimbledon. But it does feel as if this might be the end of the road. And, and what do they do now? Do they wait for the outcome or just get on with the business of, of sacking him and bringing in somebody else? Because the team needs direction, doesn't it? And, and they're not winning still under the caretaker. It's a strange one, Sam, because I feel like the homophobic tweets is actually much more offensive and a bigger issue than, than him having a couple of bets. But he must be livid with his own stupidity to have done this. As Clarkie says, it's a very clear rule. You, you can't do it. Why bother? Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to to speculate, but 
it resonates with me what what you asked Adrian initially. You know, is, is this just convenient um, that this has happened? That was my initial reaction. But of course, you can't speculate on that. There's been a lot written, I think, and talked about recently about the severity of these punishments. I think Paul Scholes got a, a slap on the wrist, mm. Daniel Sturridge as well. So, you know, I don't categorically think this is the end of the road uh, for Wally Downs, but because of the circumstances uh, in terms of their form uh, and what he achieved the back end of last season, maybe that race has just run for Wally now. Uh, in other managerial League One news, this Henrik Larsson to South End story refuses to go away. He was in attendance on Saturdays. The Shrimpers lost again, this time at home to Accrington. Caretaker boss Gary, the Wadfather Waddock, has urged the <laughs> club to get a permanent boss sorted ASAP. Uh, the pluses for Larsson, he's a legend. Sam, you said that last week. It would give you a big lift if he came into your dressing room. He's also got experience. He's managed three clubs in Sweden, including Helsingborg twice. However, his second spell there lasted all of eight games, of which he only won two and quit after a row with supporters he's not exactly a league one expert so he's the thinking here basically we'll get some bums on seats and we'll get a bit of media coverage right, we, we might be going down anyway no it shouldn't be shouldn't come into it should it i mean south End get reasonable attendances they've gone down a bit because they're not winning as many games but this isn't a club that get two or three thousand you're talking five six seven so so that i don't think will be a factor it was to me from the outside looking in that Ron Martin is a little bit starstruck by Henrik Larsson. He's like, it's like he, he, he's seen someone really fit, hasn't he, on his app. And he's just <laughs> pursuing that person, even though that, that, that they might take a little bit of persuading. He just keeps on going for this date, doesn't he, with, with, with Henrik Larsson. And I don't know how interested he is, because if he was that interested, surely he would have, he, he would have taken the job or gone on a date with Ron, so so yeah, I, I just think they need to get on with it. I don't really feel sadly that Waddock is the man. I, I, I was reading some thoughts from radio colleagues over in Essex on last night's game at Coatsani Leasing dot com trophy. They said it was one of the worst performances they've ever seen in, in in you know twenty odd years of watching the Blues. So it's not it's not happening for them. They need to appoint someone. Personally, I would ditch Larson and 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 look for someone uh, with League One credibility. Uh, to continue this rather laboured analogy that the three of us are far too old to really get involved with, Sam. No, I've got something. Are you, okay, are you, are you swiping left or right on Larson? Was, was well, mine. I think he's been quite sensible, Ron Martin, because he's not only interested in Henrik Larson, but he's gone out. To, he's gone over to Sweden to check out his backroom staff as well, which I think is a fantastic <laughs> move. That's a clever play. You know, if he's not um, got the chemistry of Henrik, um, so they'll have to put it out to Tinder if it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I wanted to say it last week. I think because there's a vacancy at Leighton Orient as well, and. Tell me, Adrian, if I'm doing Ron Martin a disservice, but I think he seems the type to be a little starry-eyed. Mm. Kevin Bond, maybe not a, a really attractive name, but I thought Harry Redknapp came into the mix there to a degree. Leighton Orient seemed to have a clear plan and, uh, and thought process about how they're going to appoint someone. And the other side of that, Adrian spent an afternoon with Phil Parkinson the other day. He didn't want the job. I think there's a bit of that going on. Mm. I don't think it's that attractive a job at the moment, considering how bad they are. No, I agree. What I will say in his defence, Ron, is that I don't don't know him personally. <laughs> Once he did berate me for uh, for something I'd said on the radio. So he was late to a game. We've been listening to the local radio, and he came in and <laughs> tapped me on the shoulder and and said something about I think I'd said that something about Freddie Eastwood's strongest foot, and I'd got it wrong. And and he, he was at pains to point that out to me, which I just thought was a bit weird. But um, but but fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what he is 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 very loyal, really loyal to managers. He he he, he likes, I think, when he's pursuing a manager, you know, online or not. He likes to really know the character and the personality inside out because I think he he wants to work with them for a long time. He couldn't be loyal to Kevin Bond because it was going so horribly wrong. Um, I think he wants this one to be right, and maybe that's why it's taking so long. Well, we shall find out if the courtship is successful. Now, let's talk about Bristol Rovers because Johnson, Clark, Harris and Goals go together like Paddington and marmalade sandwiches at the moment. I'm just going to take you behind the curtain a little bit. Me and Abby write this script together. Who do you think came up with the analogy of Paddington and marmalade sandwiches? You. You. No chance. <laughs> no. No. That's the most Abby thing ever, surely. I don't know. I, don't, I didn't don't. even watch Paddington, to be honest. And they came. Actually, I've, ju I've just, I just purchased it. Have you purchased it for the little ones? Yeah. Right. Okay. The yeah. modern one, obviously. Yeah, the modern one. Yeah. Well, actually, I don't. I didn't buy it. It was free. I had a free gift, so I bought Paddington for it. I think yeah. we just need to make a rule if it's quite good. Lars Bohinen isn't mentioned or Nottingham Forest. It's nothing that Matt's written. 
<laughs> okay, <laughs> let's move on. Johnson Clark Harris, you remember him? He's a footballer. He's quite good. Uh, he's got five goals in five and eight in all comps so far this season. Uh, like yourself, Sam, sort of nomadic strikers, finally seems to, to have found a home. Yeah, and rumours of a new contract. And I was probably in, in that predicament a couple of times uh, during my Swindon career when it was going really well. So it's a big moment for him. I would suggest he's hot at the moment, so there's going to be suitors. I think Middlesbrough, the latest club to be showing an interest, I'd sign another contract. Mm. It's only been brief that he's been at the Memorial. Big club, well supported. Um, he'll get his move if he continues in this vein. And he was a big character, uh, character at Coventry, I understand. And maybe there was a bit of a problem there with Mark Robbins, but for whatever reason, he couldn't produce consistently. He, he's doing that now for Graham Coughlin and, and Kevin Mayer. Stay put. And things are going really well, up to 7th now, um, after that 1-0 win, win over Rotherham. And I saw a really good article, actually, in the Bristol Post about the different potential formations that they could play. And it seems that like they've got a really good, well-stocked, balanced squad. Mm -hmm. And at the moment, it's the 3-5-2. And the midfield is, is the, getting all the plaudits. And a lad I know well, Liam Serkham, who um really tenacious midfield player with a bit of class, Ed Upson, and the muscle uh, the, the the player to go and win the ball back a go-go. So, to me, that seems like a nice, balanced midfield. Yeah. Adrian, Sam's point there about, about potentially clubs being interested in Clark Harris made me think of Carlin Grant going from Charlton to, to Huddersfield uh, January last year. You kind of think... If you wait until the summer, it won't just be clubs who are looking to League One for a striker because they need goals to stay up, which is realistically mm. where he's going to go, rather than it's not going to be, well, Leeds want a new striker, so you're going to get the move there in January. You're better off waiting until the summer just for that, aren't well, you? Well, each situation is different, isn't it? You need to know how keen they are on you. If there's a, a manager that's... I know how whether it's legal to, to, to be speaking to the manager or not or the, via an agent... If you get the whisper that they're really, really keen and you're more than a squad player, that you'll go straight into the team at a higher level, it's, that's a hard thing to turn down. So, But no, I absolutely think he should sign a new deal, get get the bump in wages. And, and look, if I'm in his shoes, I'm forgetting about a move and I'm just going to continue doing what I'm doing because the longer he goes on this run, the better the clubs that will show an interest in him. So, so yeah, he just needs to try and block it out if he can. Bristol Rovers are doing great and... and Really, really pleased for Graham Coughlin, who, who had a lot of success as number two at Southend United. He was highly thought of there, and I'm chuffed for him that he's made that transition to be a first-team manager. And his recruitment, when you look at it, is, is, is excellent. A lot of the people he, he brought in in the summer are all shining. The keeper at the moment is, is in particular shining. Yaikala, uh, uh, he was released by Reading. Great pick-up, but he's not just the only one. There's, there's four or five regulars that he brought in in the summer that no one else was really taking that much notice of. So, so well done, Coughlin. Well done, Bristol Rovers. Well, no match for them this weekend. They can enjoy Fleetwood versus Ipswich with some marmalade sandwiches instead. <laughs> in terms of these two teams on the pitch, Adrian, you've been having a look at Fleetwood. Well, yeah, just really impressed with them. I think they, they more than deserve a mention. Not a team that we spoke a lot about this season. They're averaging two goals a game. What the standout quality for me is, apart from good individuals, I mean, Paul Coots is the, is the playmaker, isn't he? I think I looked at the stats, 64 passes a game. That's more than any other central midfielder in the division. So he's the dictator. So he's brought in quality inside that engine room. But it's from the wing. Ten goals from crosses this season, from right wing or left wing. Seven of them have come from the right, where Wes Byrne and Louis Coyle have, have combined brilliantly. They're providing some great ammunition for Paddy Madden. And I think... This is a really dangerous game for, for Ipswich. They're flying, of course. They're, they're doing great. But but Fleetwood, with its small stadium, but with a really hungry young team that, that's, that's got momentum at the moment, I think this is a, a dangerous fixture for them. I think Fleetwood can can go and, and cause some problems. Your old boys on their tractors then, Sam. Ipswich made a, a fantastic start. Just keep going is the, is the message from Paul Lambert, isn't it? You won't be changing anything. Yeah, and I didn't realise how good they'd been defensively. It was 538 minutes without conceding. They're on the cusp of a, a club record had Tranmere not scored. So, holy the goalie, holy the goalie, doing very well. I think they like his character as well. Like Norwood, he's, he's bought into what they're doing this year. And um, 
Yeah, Paul Lambert, tactically astute the other day as well. 3-5-2 from the off, went to a diamond 4-4-2 and went a bit longer down the sides for Jackson and Norwood in the second half and it had the required effect. They uh, scored some outstanding goals in that second half and 10 goals now between them, Jackson and Norwood, and it doesn't half help at that level when you've got two They'll do that like in this that. game, won't they? They'll look to turn Fleetwood, I think, who who won't be afraid, I think, to, to have plenty of the ball. Maybe they'll look to, to clip some balls in behind those centre-half. Yeah, and I think there's a, there's a number of players, really. You can look at Alan Judge, I think arguably one of the most gifted players at that level. Skews his um, versatility, playing as a centre-half in midfield. Nolan back in the mix now as well. I mean, it's looking great, and I enjoyed their celebrations at full time at Gilliam last week, and and likewise again, again now, and it's just showing. If you do drop down a tier, unfortunately, it's not all doom and gloom. Let's have some positive League One managerial chat, given what we've spoken about already. Naturally, that means we're going to talk about everybody's favourite. Well, maybe not Daniel Stendel's happy-go-lucky scouser. It is Joey Barton. Uh, so his Fleetwood side going into the weekend third, just four points behind Ipswich. Snobbish football types like me howled with derision when JB got the cod job. It all seemed a bit fishy. Maybe, though, he was the managerial catch of the day. What's been the secret to his success this season, Adrian? Is it is it Netflix? <laughs> I don't know. Um, he's he's doing a good job. You've got to say. I mean, I don't know what's happening with with that that incident we saw at the end of last season. But but he hasn't let it affect him, has he? He has. He's, he's still got full control of the dressing room. I'll say that he identified good players to mm. to bring in in the summer. I think his recruitment was was top banana, really. Um, so so I credit him for that. He's done his research. He's immersed himself into League One football. Yeah, they're, they're, they're spiky. They're quite aggressive, I think, in the way they go about their business in the mould of, of of the manager. But but they've got good forward players, haven't they? I've spoken about the wide men from the right-hand side. On the left, you've got Josh Morris, who who scores goals and makes them. So, And, and up front, you've got Paddy Madden and or Chid Evans. It, he, he's, it, it's not rocket science, is it, Sam? If, you, if, you, if you've got two good centre-forwards, you've got some flying wingers and you've got a nice ball-playing midfielder, in the in the heart of the injury room, you're going to score goals, and then on the other side of it, if you organise the defence properly, and it looks like he is, and you got yourself a, a decent formula. And the, and the key for him, obviously, it's easy to say this now. They're winning games, but it looks like he's picked the right club. On the face of it, you could fly under the radar at Fleetwood to an extent, but he's obviously got a great relationship with those above him, existing, which is key. An existing relationship as well. Yeah, uh, he did some training there, I think. Um, one of his previous clubs knows the chairman. Uh, I think it's it's right to highlight the, the size of the club. Um, if he'd have gone in somewhere a little bit more high profile, there may have been more eyes on him. Adrian, spot on. You look at the three names on the substitutes bench the other day, Peter Clark, Paddy Madden, Ashley Hunter. They're the th- first three names listed. It's good good strength in depth. And um, if you've got the, the opportunity to have Evans or Madden, um, he's just coming on and scoring... Most weeks, Paddy Madden, it's a nice luxury to have. It's it's a good 11 through the spine of that side and that'll be a big test for Ipswich. There's never been any doubt that Joey Barton knows the game. He's clearly tactically astute. It was just um, some other ingredients he needed to get right. Odds for League One then, Abby, in the game we've just been talking about, Fleetwood versus Ipswich. What, what, what are the odds on Ipswich getting a win at Fleetwood this weekend? If you want to back the away side, that is 19-10 to 10 for Ipswich and for Fleetwood to win, it's 7-5. to 5. How about the top scorer in League One? This is one we've been keeping across all season. What's the movement in the market there? We've been talking about Johnson Clark Harris. He is the fourth favourite to be the top scorer at the end of the season, ten to one. James Norwood, who is possibly up there at the moment, seven to one. Ivan Tony, who's just knocking them in for fun for Peterborough, six to one. But the favourite is Mohamed Issa, five to one. Okay. South End manager odds, these will largely be redundant by the time people hear this because that's how podcasts work. And indeed, according to the odds themselves, they will be largely redundant because Henrik Larsson is the four to seven favourite for the job. But if you fancy putting some money on Sol Campbell, that'll cost you 20 to 1. OK, I'm very much enjoying the finger pointing that's accompanying these odds. Uh, lots to look forward to in League One then. Can we say the same about League Two? Only one way to find out. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Football League show from Money Knees Media. League Two then, where there's lots of games to look forward to. Two uh, headlines, just four points separating the top eight. 2018-19 League One relegation battle redux. 
Uh, Exeter experienced their first loss of the season to Grimsby, thereby falling short of a new club record. But 14 matches without defeat, still no mean feat. And Stevenage still haven't won. Maybe Mark Sampson is not the solution. Crew versus Exeter then, second versus first. And we're joined on the line now by the Exeter manager, Matt Taylor. Well, Matt, you've had a fabulous start to the season. What's been the key to that, do you think? Was it, was it a particularly good pre-season? Is it the business that you did, a bit of both? Uh, it'd be a combination. Obviously, we started well in terms of uh, the first couple of games of the season and then confidence starts to build. We had a little bit of luck along the way, but uh, the new players which we brought in over the summer have also made a, a huge difference to the strength of the squad. Um, and hopefully that's some points will benefit us going throughout the season. Matt, you obviously played for Paul Tisdale and coached yeah. alongside him. And I had yeah. my year down in, in Devon. I know all about his <laughs> methods. Yeah. Um, I know it's a difficult question to answer, but how much of Tiz's ways at the training ground on match days did you keep the same and how much have you altered? Well, certainly to start, we didn't, we didn't want to change too much. Um, on the back of Paul being there for 12 years, you, you know yourself it, you know, Exeter City was a certain type of club from a certain type of way. Mm. So any change we've made, we've tried to gradually um, feed them into the club. The environment's still the same, and that's, that's credit to Paul and his staff. Um, I'm sure you'll testify it's a fantastic environment to work in. The training ground's come on a long way in the last last couple of seasons. Um, and then the ethos of the club is still to promote the, the young boys and, and get them out of the academy and into the first team. So not too much has changed from that respect. Um, obviously, I'm a different character to Paul. And, and that's that's the way I want to be in terms of my, my teams going forward. But like I said, we've still got a lot of traits from Paul's time and we're hopefully a club moving forward and moving in the right direction. Only time will tell in terms of what success looks like for, for Exeter City. Um, you know yourself and I've mentioned it already about the, the emphasis on the academy. Um, but I also want to you know get success on the pitch. Well, it seems like it's going absolutely swimmingly at the moment, Matt. Big game though, isn't it, Crew? away at the yeah. weekend and when I look at the games I don't want to be the sort of prophet of doom here but but the but the eight the you you've played eight games against sides that are currently in the bottom half now I know it's early days six yeah. wins and two draws that three winless games against sides in in the top half does it do you feel that this dressing room needs to take a scalp sooner rather than later I don't think there's too much pressure on that. We, we just need to keep on picking up points. There's been times we've been disappointed in our points return so far this season um, when we've not picked up maximum points when we've been on top. It's about getting the, the balance right. The tighter games against the likes of Newport and Swindon, they're, they're high-class opposition at this level. Um, and I expect the same from crew this weekend. And if we keep on picking up points throughout the way, then we won't be too far. We, we know the league's not really settled down as yet in terms of some big clubs below. Certainly the ones who've probably been, been relegated from League 1 into League 2. They'll, they'll come strong at some stage. So it's all about the, the right balance. Um, and hopefully we can pick up some more points against crew this weekend. Matt, finally, you, you're in your second season in charge now. You had such a great reputation as player and captain at Exeter. Did that? make it difficult for you to take the job were you sort of thinking well I don't want to I don't want to spoil that reputation with fans or, or, or was it something that you thought well this can give me a boost at the start of my time at the club you, you've got to back yourself you certainly don't want to turn down opportunities because any opportunity as a manager doesn't come around very often um, I was in a lucky position when, when Paul left I was was next in line as, as first team coach and 23's manager and like I say, you don't turn down opportunities like that. Um, you've got to back yourself. You've got to back your own ability. The, the biggest thing I've learned is surrounding yourself with, with good staff and good players. And like I've touched on upon, we've, we've already got a, quite a good environment to work in as well. So hopefully the players enjoy coming to work. Like I said, League Two is going to be a really tight league this season. Um, and hopefully we're, we're towards the top end competing. And then time will tell where we finish up. You talk about backing yourself that's something that you've kind of done throughout your career in, in a way that's unusual to most footballers providing Wikipedia hasn't lied to me uh, you started as a goalie and then you <laughs> yeah. went to university you played for the for the university's team didn't you those kind yeah. of experiences which are, which are not typical for for a footballer is that something that that's helped you throughout your career and now as a manager too probably to a certain extent I, I didn't do a YTS or I didn't get a young professional contract as a footballer. I combined playing as a goalkeeper for a semi-pro team locally and then as a centre-half for my university and my colleges throughout my education. So it was a strange first few years to my career, I suppose. Um, but then I got an opportunity full-time down at Exeter when we were in the National League in the conference back then. So it's all good experience. I'd like to think the education side of it has helped me in terms of my um, my aspirations as a coach and a manager. I'm probably understanding the game to a certain level as well. And then you play your career and you get caught up in the bubble of just playing week in, week out and you don't think too far ahead. 
Um, but then injuries naturally and, and age start to take the toll and, and then you do start thinking about your future. So, like I say, I've had a lot of luck looking up the long way. I've worked for some really good managers and, and played with some, some decent players as well. And then the same as when I got into the coaching structure. So I, I have had a little bit of luck. But I do appreciate how lucky we are to work in football those times before university and around college as well when I was doing sort of labouring jobs really make you understand how lucky we are to sort of do a couple of hours of physical fitness and, and work in a day and then you got the free afternoon. So, like I say, it, it does benefit you in terms of moving forward. Matt Taylor, Exeter manager there. Uh, either of you two ever done a proper day's work in your life? <laughs> proper day's? Wow, I've been doing it for years. What are you talking about? Um, but football journalism is not proper work. No. Well, <laughs> well, my first job outside of football when I, when I left Southend was as a news reporter. Does that count as a proper, proper day's work? Who were you reporting the news for? <laughs> I was, well, mate, I was the Canvey Island correspondent for the Southend Evening Echo. Evening Echo. Yes, in Let case. me tell you... That that is not an easy patch to work. So um, yeah, I think I've uh, I think I've done a day's work. I did one day as a tree surgeon. My <laughs> mate, my mate's got a tree surgery business, brothers, and uh, it was somewhere near Watford. He lived up that way. I went nice sunny day, big tree back garden, posh house. So I'm, you know, I'm in the zone. I am marching the the, the branches and the, the 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 wood from the back of the house to the front. I'm, I'm getting this done in two hours. Let's get down the pub. So. We started going off and having a sandwich after an hour and having a chat and all that. Anyway, moral of the story, I didn't take it seriously because he got all his equipment stolen because we weren't paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> On your one day. So he had to pay me 60, 70 quid for the day or whatever it was, and I cost him about 500 quid. And he didn't ask you back, oddly. <laughs> We're still mates, but I've not been, I've not been asked back to improve Quite a on my... Uh, tree surgery, I think. <laughs> oh, it's big business. Yeah. Big business. Should have, should have gone down that route. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't have been down Pret, though, should we? <laughs> I'm just trying to think of tree puns, but I don't know. Lots, lots of branches. <sighs> don't know. We'll, we'll chipping, think about that. Chipping. Chipping, no nice. Idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good. Uh, yeah, we ought to have twigged that this has gone on for too long, really, <laughs> haven't we? So we, we better leave. Um, hey, so we spoke a fair bit about crew last week. Sam, you went with this, the score draw against Cheltenham and you got it absolutely right. So so well done you. Odds on this crew versus Exeter game that we've been talking about then, Abby, I'm imagining it's pretty close. It is pretty close. Crew are five to four and uh, Exeter are two to one. Breaking news, Stoke have tweeted... Happy birthday to Terry Conroy. Uh, so, yeah, happy birthday, Terry. That's about all for this week. I am bound by tradition, though, to ask the chaps what their weekend plans are, whether they be football-related or just for getting one of your own children's birthday parties. Adrian? I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> at the weekend. <laughs> you always ask me, and I never know. I just wing it. Okay. Yeah. Just double-check it's not somebody close to his birthday, I would I will say. do. Yeah, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Sam, you're off to Cardiff tonight. How about the weekend? Cardiff uh, this evening against the Super Hoops. Saturday, I was to be at Mill v Leeds. Lunchtime kickoff, which would have been pretty aggressive. With a quiet night at the library. Yeah. Uh, but now I believe I'm going to take in Hayes v Hendon and do a, the around-the-ground service for BBC London. So, um, EFL conversation heavy, but some FA Cup action for me this weekend. Lovely stuff. Shall we meet back here in a week's time? Sounds good. Till then. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. <laughs>